You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. I said certified free, seven days a week, wet-ass pussy, make that pullout game weak, Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 82 of 2, 5, and 10. A little bit of a tongue twister there. We are, uh, we're down to four, Benny. What up? Final four. Uh, we're both refreshed after a nice weekend. We were talking before we started recording. You had a very nice weekend. You know, very low-key, relaxing. Everybody's feeling good. I was in Key West. Um, but on, honestly, you sounded like you had a, a brutal weekend until you guys started feeling better. Um I almost forgot that the conference final were starting. That's how much my brain was not back in the realm of reality for the conference final. But we're here, Final Four, as everybody expected back in September 20, uh, 2019. It's the Islanders and Dallas Stars in the conference final. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just as we predicted, right? Uh, so, I mean, you you were a Washington Capital. You were just there on vacation. Yes, exactly. I put in as much effort. Uh, on his vacation as the Rangers did in the first round against Carolina. And then just one question. I mean, I know you said you were mentally checked out of it, as you should have been. It looked beautiful down there. But, I mean, does the first-class seating help with the forgetfulness? or? Well, it was a surprise first-class seating. Uh, we got on a plane. This is the flight leaving Key West. And then uh, we booked our tickets separately. So they actually seated us separately, and then I had to change my seat, which was up front, to sit next to Anna, who was in the last row of the airplane. So shout out to me on that one for showing love. And right before the plane takes off, the flight attendant comes back, and he's just like, you guys look like a couple. Do you want to sit in the first class? I'm like, absolutely. So um, how many but- warm hand towels did you get? <laughs> uh, one upon departure, and one upon arrival, and we also got free booze. I would have been sloshed coming off that plane. <laughs> I think I had about three screwdrivers and a couple of tequila sunrises, so I was feeling pretty good. You tell them, like, hey, two nips in the next one, not just that one. <laughs> My only thing is no food service, obviously, because of COVID and everything else. That was the only thing that was missing. That's all right. The free booze would take care of it for me. I'd be more <laughs> than more than happy with that. But uh, like you said, we're down to the final four. In the conference finals, uh, we'll start out west as we usually do. Yeah, we'll start out west. Dallas uh, knocks off Colorado. Another heartbreak for the Avalanche, losing what is it back to back years, game sevens in the second round that they can't get over the hump. Yes, mm-hmm. um, I knew, but when we did our series preview for Cal- uh, Colorado and Dallas, I was like, I'm going Colorado in seven, but. If the injuries to their goaltending, uh, specifically Grubauer and Johnson, their defenseman, linger, I could I could see Dallas in six, and I should have just went with my gut and looked like a genius on that one. But I was a little scared after my rough first round. Um, but yeah, Dallas versus Vegas. Everybody expected Vegas to be one of the teams that would contend to make it this far. Dallas already pulled away. They won Game One at the time of this recording. Game Two is underway. What are your thoughts on just the advantages that Vegas has in goal, can former Bruin Anton Huboden kind of negate that? And also, do they, do the Stars have enough firepower? Yeah, I was, I'm shocked that 
Anton Hudobin has taken him this far. And it, it's nothing taken away from Doby. Like his time here, he, he was a great backup for us. He did what he was supposed to do. But never did I ever think he'd be able to take a workload like this. Granted, I mean, the Dallas Stars have been Bishop, so everyone should have expected that Hudobin <laughs> was going to see some playing Play time. Off, playoff season, Bishop gets hurt. Yeah, I was going to say that. Bishop always goes golfing early. But, um,. No, I, I'm very surprised in what he's been able to do on the other side. Speaking of goaltending, I mean, talk about a two-headed monster and Leonard and Flurry. Uh, the Stars coming out of a game one victory. I mean, very tight game the whole way. They got that first goal early, and then th- that was it the whole way. And Dobie shuts the door, and so did Flurry. Uh, currently, Leonard in net tonight. Are you worried with the back and forth at this point now, or do you think that DeBoer just has to run with Leonard now that he's gone back to him? Yeah, I mean, you got to pick one. Like, we talked about this last time. When you have two number ones in the playoffs, you don't have a number one. You're like, you got to pick your horse and run with it. Um, I know they're probably trying to make Flurry feel a little bit better, keep him in a fold after what happened with his agent and some... You know, Flurry didn't deny that he wasn't upset with the team. He just denied that he was fine with Leonard. So I think that was pretty telling. Um, but this is for the Stanley Cup. And Flurry played well in game one, but the, everybody was surprised that they didn't go with Leonard in game one. Like, you're eight wins from the Stanley Cup, and you're just trying to, you know, make sure people's feelings are feeling good in massage. Like, I don't get it. You got to ride Leonard unless he, you know, slumps or gets hurt. Flurry's done well for this franchise, but Leonard's the better goaltender. He's the honestly at this point he's the best goaltender left in the playoffs, uh, even ahead of Vasilevsky on Tampa, in my opinion. Like you got to ride this dude. He's a free agent. You don't have to worry about wear and tear. You're probably not going to be able to afford to bring him back anyway. Let the let the next team worry about decline. You know what I mean? Like ride this dude when you have him and for a chance to win a cup. I'm with you, especially when you have the horse. If you have the horse, you ride it. That that's the yeah. one way it works. The only thing is, like, they're worried about Flurry long term because he has three years left in his deal. I think it's seven million dollars, over seven million dollars. Then probably not going to be able to find a trade partner for him, uh, just because of the length of the deal, not so much the money. So they're probably like, oh, well, we got to keep him happy because we know come training camp he's going to be our guy in net, and we don't want him to be checked out or not want to play here anymore. But Flurry's a pro. Like this happened to him in Pittsburgh, and he was a pro about it behind Murray. Like, he knows, he wants to win a Stanley Cup. As long as they handle it well, they communicate well, they're up front, they don't lie. Like, he can't really complain too much, especially when you're losing playing time to a guy who's playing out of his mind uh, since he arrived in Las Vegas. Yeah, I mean, and like you said, Leonard's unrestricted. Flurry 7 million, Leonard only only 1-4. Like, I think Vegas is playing the odds. See what I did there? I like that. (laughs) But, I mean... When it comes to the series specifically, like Dallas played, I think, a quintessential Dallas Stars uh, playoff game in Game 1, and he pulled it out one nothing. But you can't expect to score one or two goals in a series each game and come out ahead in a series. So it kind of boils down to, yeah, they're up one nothing in the series. But I'm sorry, but Matisse Janmark isn't scaring me. You know, I know they have a good young guys and, like, Dickinson, Heinz, and uh, Garyanov has really kind of blossomed a little bit uh, since uh, return of players come here. But I'm sorry, I don't think, 
Like, I picked Dallas in seven, but if they're going to try and ride one nothing 2-1 games, like it's 1995 and the New Jersey Devils, it's going to be a very short series. And do you think Dallas's firepower, like, Tyler Sagan's been shit. Like, yep, not and Jamie there. Ben. It, like, the two of them, they've gotten people to step up for him at certain times, but it has to be worrisome because now you're in the conference finals. You've played... A qualifying round? You've played the first round, second round. So technically you're on a fourth round now. Where in other years you'd only be in a third. Like, And those guys are MIA. Like not even close. It has to be worrisome. I mean, Corey Perry's going out there every night and laying it on the line. Like flopping, hitting, getting <laughs> in someone's face. Like just doing anything and everything. And then you have the other two guys where it's like, Guys, I mean, you are a one who uses the captain, and b the other one who uses the highest paid player on the team. Well, there's a reason why Corey Perry is a Stanley Cup champion, and Jamie Benn hasn't really won anything. I'm not saying like it shows a lack of leadership, and he's not a good player. But there's a reason why the team president called him out. That's true, and I mean, you know what I mean. He like, doesn't go down on his girl either. That's also what. <laughs> but. The way I looked at it, so I know Robin Leonard. I, I know he's the best goaltender left in the playoffs, in my opinion. I know Vegas has better, more well-rounded offense, let's say. Like, I still think they're also a little bit top-heavy. Um, and Shea Theodore is playing, like, out of his fucking mind. But Dallas has made it this far, and they're up one nothing in the series with almost nothing from Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan. And I just, in my mind, it's like, one of them or two, both of them are can't play like this for this long of a time. Like one of them's going to snap out of it. And if they made it this far without him, that might be the difference in the series from Ray, because Vegas crushes teams. They eat your lunch five on five, most teams, but Dallas can keep up with them in that sense. Um, looking at advanced stats and everything before the series, if they just get Sagan or Ben to kind of get going here a little bit, that's, that was the reason why I'm pulling for him here in the sense of, I think they can pull off the upset. Uh, upset. The the scariest thing for me about Ben is like this time of the year is like this is hockey that's made for him. Like this is big boy hockey where you can strap it on, you can outmuscle people. The refs kind of put the whistles away for a little bit. Like this is something that's perfect for him and just just doesn't have it just not there yet like i just i think he plays better when he's like angry so if i'm uh bonus i just i match him up against ryan reeves and reeves comes back from his suspension and just because i know at some point reeves is going to run his mouth he's going to hit ben they're going to get into it on a face-off and that's when they get jamie ben's head back into it and i think that's going to get him fired up and he's you know serves the purpose of getting him a fire lit under his ass and gets him going a little bit I mean, it shouldn't even have to be Reeves talking to him. I mean, I know. Jamie Ben, if you're out there on and you're playing against Ryan Reeves, like you're a nine and a half million dollar player in this league, you're out there against Ryan Reeves, a fourth line goon. Like, tighten it up, pal. Like, let's <laughs> go. Yeah, I mean, he shouldn't need that, but I don't know. Some guys just need it. I I guarantee you that we're gonna. Whenever Dallas' season ends, we're going to hear Jamie Benn has undergone surgery to repair blank, blank. Oh, yeah. Because, mm-hmm. like, 
he's too good of a player to be in a slump this long. And yeah, Dallas isn't a high scoring team and Jamie Benn and Sagan are like their offensive benchmarks and they're not, you know, setting the world on fire in the regular season anyway. But I know I think something's up and also he just needs a little bit of a kick in the ass and maybe he just plays better against guys like Matthew Kuchuk that gets him into it. And that very well could be. Um I know you and were you, going. You went Vegas in six, though. I was gonna say I I went Vegas in six. I've just liked this team, man. Like it, it's hard for me to bet against them. I like the way they've played all year. Their guys have come right into this tournament and have flourished currently. Um, like you said, Shea Theodore out of his mind. That I like their D end. I like the goalies. It. I don't know. I I just. The matchup to me on paper is that I think they just match up better against Dallas and they should win. And the way they steamrolled going into here was kind of like, well, it's proofs in the pudding, you know? So so that's why I was banking on Vegas. Do you think Vegas vaults to the top of the hate list around the league if they make the San Luka final in two of their first three seasons? Tell your GM to be better. <laughs> um, I I think we got it to it in a roundabout way with Dallas and Colorado. It's like a really good series. I think this one is going to be the best series of this playoffs, Dallas and Vegas. I have it going seven. You have it going six. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a couple OT, multi-OT games thrown in here. Um, I think either of these teams obviously deserve to be in the Stanley Cup final. But moving over to the East. Dun, dun, dun. Do any of either of them, because I'm not even going to acknowledge the fact that you chose the Islanders to beat the Lightning in the conference final, especially after an 8-2 drubbing in game one. Do you think either of these teams have enough to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup final? Because once again, fuck the Islanders. Uh, see, th- this is where I feel like you kind of got to let the boys play and see where it ends <laughs> up. Like, s- see what happens in the conference final and go from there. Because th- this is the thing I feel like the most with the West. You have two big teams going against each other. And they usually beat the absolute shit out of each other. So by the time these guys come out of the West, they're completely like bruised and beaten. And the East isn't as bad as the West. I mean, is it rough and tumble? Yeah, but no one's as big as they are. So it's like, you know, maybe they get there and then uh, other guys are a little bit slower. The East is able to get a little bit north-south on them, get some goals. I, I, I honestly... I don't know. Like I, I don't know what to expect. I figured the Islanders, after having to play a game seven against Philly, they were fresh, not fresh in the sense of playing, not like time off like Tampa had, yeah. a little rusty. I thought they were going to come in and play. And then Braden Point, whatever it was, <laughs> a minute and 18 seconds into the game, comes out with tone. that. And it's like, oh, boy, th- this could be a long night. And one thing that I noticed in that game was the Islanders defensive structure was not there at all. I don't know if it's cause they played that game. Then they flew the next day. And then the day after that, they're playing another game and 
you know, maybe it's the time change, a two-hour time change. Maybe it was the travel. They weren't used to everything yet. But usually when guys are like that and they don't have time to think, they usually play pretty good. They got absolutely stomped the other night. Like, it was insane. That Did you see that Kucherov flip pass or whatever the yep. hell it was? I've never seen that. Like, incredible. Um, and the Sergachev pass, like the little move. Uh, and even, to be honest, uh, the Braden Point pass when he was, like, in a high slot and then, like, kind of floated back around. Uh, to me... I think it might have a little bit to do with the travel and they had a long series and everything else, but I think it's kind of a Tampa Bay's, they're just so formidable offensively and they're such a juggernaut that the Islanders kind of got out of their realm a little bit and they're just like, we're going to have to score some goals here. Like, we're not going to be able to shut them down and kind of pull them away from their game. So I think in game one, it was just like, they tried to maybe run a little bit, run and gun, have their defenseman pinch a little bit. Not saying uh, Trotz told them to do that, but I think they got away from their game and Tampa Bay burned them for it. And I think that's going to be a huge lesson for the Islanders. I think game two is going to be much more competitive. I wouldn't be surprised if they win game two. Uh, even though I hate the Islanders and I think Tampa Bay is going to win, I still think it goes a, uh, to a six-game series. And it's going to be much... If it's, every game is like this, it's going to be the most lopsided series. And I can't see a team that's coached by Barry Trotz getting run out of the barn four straight games. No, I, I can't see that either. I mean, hopefully they figure out their goalie situation. I know they had Grayson there the other day. He yeah, gets... I that's another one, man. Like, sorry to cut you off. I know Grice has played well this year. Everybody knows he's kind of a known commodity at this point. He's a good backup. He can play for a week or two here or there in case of an injury. Varlamov got you to where you were. I know Grice played late in the Flyer series, but ride your man. Like, I I just don't get it. Like, for, uh, Grice is a free agent. Varlamov is going to be there for a couple more seasons. He's played well this year. You're in a conference final. I know Grice played well late in the f- series against the Flyers. Can you start Varlamov in game one, please? Like, I don't get it. Yeah, I, I didn't get that either. And, I mean, Grice gets chased on five shots. Yeah. Five shots, three goals. See you later. He's out of there. And it's like, so now you're back with Varlamov now. I'm assuming he's starting game two. I mean, I, I wouldn't oh, he give the hand, to, man. I wouldn't give it back to Grice. That, that's just me. But Yeah, Grice can't play again in a series. And it's like a double-edged sword. Now Grice is shot for the series. You can't really go back to him unless you're forced to. And Varlamov... Like, if I was him, kind of comes off like, okay, so you didn't have enough confidence in me to start game one because I had a poor uh, game late in the series against the Flyers. So now you, when you need me, I'm back in, and now I'm going to be playing against the Tampa Bay Lightning that you think I wasn't good enough to start against in the first game. So I just think it's almost opposite of the Vegas situation where you go to Fleury, who's your franchise guy, and he plays well. But then you go back to Leonard, who's the best goalie in the playoffs, and you can kind of see it both ways. And now, if I'm Vegas, you have to pick a guy. The Islanders, it's like, it's Grice. Like, I don't understand, like, the bending over backwards to make sure he's your game one starter against the Tampa Bay Lightning, four wins from a cup. Uh, understandable. Like, the, the worst part about recording now is, like, I, I couldn't give out, like, my real reasoning before with going with them. Like, I thought on a team aspect, 
they they were rolling. Like like they looked good. The defensive scheme on their end was great. My boy Big Dick Derek was, was killing oh, it De- for him. French Derek, baby. Like he always comes up big when you need him. Back to his days with the Rangers. Yeah. And then the only thing that I was like, fuck, like the goalie thing, but I'm like, you know what? The defense should be able to lock it down for Varlamov, so I'm like, it should be good. And then you have that game one, and it's like, how do you bounce back? Because you're in the locker room. For you, game two, is it we need a big-time win to kind of push Tampa to where they pushed us, or is it like, I don't give a shit. Let's just squeak one out here, boys, and we're tied at one. Yeah, I kind of look at it as like, uh, holy shit, we got caught with our pants around our ankles and we got run the fuck over. Let's not even worry about it. Like, that's an outlier. We got away from our game. An t- extremely talented team made us look like fucking jokes, which we deserved. Let's get out there. Yeah, like, ugh, I... But if you lose game two, even if it's a close game, you're done. Like, you're not winning four or five against the Tampa Bay Lightning. No, and... I, I say it probably once every three shows. I love John Cooper. I do. <laughs> the thing, okay. And the other thing with uh, Tampa, and this is what I kind of wanted to get into just shortly. Um, so, actually, predictions. I had uh, Tampa in six. You had the Islanders in seven, right? Yes, that was correct. Okay. All right. Uh, just want to get that on the record. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was Steven Stamkos is out again for the entire series. They're not even doing a game-by-game game or day-by-day day situation. They just said he's out for the series. Um, if you make it to sound like a final, we'll see, but I doubt he even plays then. Um, he's have, he's recovering from a core muscle injury. I'm assuming it was probably some type of hernia. Um, the thing with Stamkos is... He's still talented, obviously. He's 66 points in 57 games this year. Um, played a full 82-game season last year, 98 points in that one. But he is a little bit injury-prone. He's going to be turning 31 during his season next year. He's owed $8 million for another three or four years after this year, I believe. Four, yeah. Yeah, the Lightning are, once again, facing a cap crunch. they got to sign Braden. Uh, they have the Braden Point extension. They have the Anthony Sorelli extension that they have to come up with. They are basically losing all of their defensemen to free agency, uh, except for Hedman and McDonough. Uh, Sergei Chef is a restricted free agent who wants to raise. Is this a situation where you look at the depth chart of the Tampa Bay Lightning and you see just down the middle, you have Braden Point, who's their franchise guy now. You can have Tyler Johnson as your second-line center. On the wings, you have Kucherov. Uh, Palak, Gord, Johnson can play there as well, Blake Coleman, they're all top nine guys. Do you look at it as like a situation where Tampa might alleviate that cap situation by moving on from Stamkos? I know it has a no-movement clause. Um, I'm sure you would find a taker for this guy, even though he has an eight, eight, eight $8.5 million cap hit. I'm sure a team would gladly take this dude on. Do you do it as a pure cap dump if you're the lightning and i know this is all hypotheticals i just wanted to get your thoughts on thoughts on it you just go for a straight cap dump and get like prospects and some picks to clear their full cap space or do you look for help on defense to play with 
Victor Hedman instead of having McDonough on his off wing and then worrying about having Zach Bergosian playing top pair minutes. Like, you're looking for a team that needs a sniper up front on a wing. And if you're looking for defensive help, you're looking probably looking at a guy who has a similar cap hit. So even though you're not helping your cap situation, you're filling a position of greater need. Which one would you be... Do you think a team like Tampa, who's in the cup, win-now cup window, would be looking at? See, I think the biggest thing, if, if like Stamkos is the guy that we're, we're shopping out there, is to me, he has now come up with Ben Bishop-itis, where mm. it's every time in the postseason and every time you really need him, he's hurt. And like that's the biggest thing. So if I'm someone who wants to take him on and I think I'm a contender, it's, is he going to be there when I actually need him? Like that, that's just the biggest question mark to me. And I know like, he's a tough dude. Like you saw that against in the series against Boston a few years ago when he took that shot, the guy's a warrior. So him missing all these rounds this year just tells you how serious the injury is. But like you said, he is getting injury-prone, especially late in the season and in the playoffs. If you're looking at teams that, if you're looking for like a top-four defenseman, and you're Tampa Bay, you're like, all right, we need a guy who can play, hopefully top-pair minutes, but can step in. We know we're going to have to kind of either eat some money or take on a similar cap hit. And you're looking for a team that Sam Kosher would want to go to. I'm looking around the league. I don't know if they really want to deal him within a division. It doesn't matter if he, it's the Eastern Conference, because you look at a team like Columbus. I know he would have to agree to waive his no trade clause to go there, but you're looking at Ryan Murray possibly in a return, and they still save $4 million to get some picks and prospects on top of that. Columbus gets some firepower back. Or you're looking to move him out west. And if you're looking out west, I, have a, I, I know all trade proposals suck. But you're looking at a team who I probably know who I'm going to be talking about here. Disappointed this past year. They still have a cap window open, a uh, cup window open in my eyes. I know they need goaltending help. But if you're looking for some scoring punch on the wings, how about a Brent Burns for Steven Samco's trade? Mm. And I mean, yeah. it's crazy to think that the Sharks would be getting cap relief by making that happen. Yes. Very small cap relief, but if you're San Jose, you have Carlson, who, again, he's another guy. We called it when it happened, when he signed that deal. He's injury-prone. He's not going to make it through the entire length of the deal. He barely made it through two years, never mind the entire length of the deal. But nobody's going to trade for him. So if you're trying to clear up that logjam of having two right-hand shot defensemen who can't play together except on a power play, making almost $20 million combined, Burnsy is the guy to go. And then you also add a guy like Sam Coase to your photo group and kind of rebuild the back end from there. If you're Tampa, you get Hedman and Burns on a first pair with McDonough and Sergachev on a second pair, and you're ready to roll. Yeah, I mean, pick your poison for who you want to be the Norris Trophy winner, (laughs) I guess. But, yeah, that was just something that I was thinking about because, again, Tampa Bay is not missing a beat without him. Nobody's even really talking about Steven Sam when you listen to the broadcast. It's just... Well, no, outside out of mind, they, right they, they don't need him, they don't miss him, and it's the craziest thing for their captain and someone as talented as Sam Coast. Yeah, they're they're currently rolling, so we will see uh, 
what happens. It's yeah, I, I mean, they rolled over your Bruins the too. They, they steamrolled my Bruins. Um, <laughs> you want to get into the postmortem on that one? We can get into the postmortem on it. Um, so obviously, with everything that had transpired, I think we all knew on this podcast we would be touching on this at some point. But the Bruins going into next year are going to have a very different outlook. And just for starters, Tory Krug in his exit interviews came out and said that he is not taking a hometown discount. He has earned this contract and he's going to get paid wherever that is. And that's not Boston because there hasn't even been any discussion. So just the defensive part of it, does Zidane Chara return? We, we know Tory Krug's not. Is Zidane Chara returning? I, I ask you this question. In the regular season, I thought Chara played okay. Like, like, I didn't think he was a liability. We got into the bubble, and, I mean, he was not good in the least. I don't know if it was the time off that killed him or if he just couldn't get it going or if now it's just his age has shown and that's where he is. So, for example, if he does not come back, before I pose this question to you, this is our defense next year. Charlie McAvoy, Brandon Carlo, Matt Grizzlick, Jeremy Lozon, Connor Clifton, John Moore, and then we'd probably have Euro Vakanine and up and maybe other guy. Just, just for starters. So okay. now... Would you take the risk on signing Zidane Chara for for just one season to see if he is capable of playing the full season, or do you just think you know what, just just pass and we're starting fresh here? Because there's mean, some holes without him on that defense, man. Yeah, I mean, ideally, you would be looking at him as a third pair, fifteen minute. 13 to 15 minute a night defenseman who plays on a PK and power play for a shot. Um, instead of looking at him as he was this past year, 43 years old, saying, okay, you're playing on a top pair or 1A pair, essentially with uh, Krug and Carlo. So it's like they need, almost need him, at least in a part-time role. If his play kind of continues to slip, they can have him sub in here and there and kind of tutor the young defensemen that are coming up. But I don't think you guys would be putting him in a position to succeed in the sense of you need him for more than 13 to 15 minutes a night. And if his play is slipping and he's getting exposed, not doing him any favors, he's not going to be looking, look, he's not going to look well. Uh, the fan base is going to get on him, even if he signs on a cheap. So it's like, I would only look, I know you need him, but I would only bring him back out of respect to him if I know I can shield him a little bit because I don't think he's done, but you can't put him in a position where you're asking too much of him, and right now you'd be asking too much of him. And and I think that's fair, just, just knowing what is or what isn't. One issue I have with this defense is Charlie McAvoy was allegedly supposed to be this cornerstone defenseman, and I don't see it. Um, his offense, I, I think his offensive prowess is great, his ability to jump into plays. But his actual D 
needs work, like serious work. Um, awful breakout passes. He gets caught pinching at awful times in the offensive zone. His defensive positioning, I just don't think he's the guy that Boston thinks he's going to be. I just I don't see it. I don't think he he gets there. Like I think he'll be like Tory Krug, where he'll be a great offensive power play guy for you, great offensive defenseman, but actual D wise, I think he's a liability. I I do, and it, it just doesn't look good that if Z doesn't come back, and that's supposed to be our next guy. Woof. Yeah, I don't know if McAvoy is a franchise defenseman. I think he's a very good. Uh, above-average defenseman, especially since he has the benefit of being a right-hand shot and putting up offensive points. I think that helps him a lot. To be honest, he reminds me of like Dougie Hamilton. Like He's going to have his prime years that are good. He's going to put up some, some numbers. He's going to always be in the team's top four. But is he truly a guy that you lean on if, when there's two minutes left in ga- a game seven uh, and you're going to put Charlie McAvoy out there? I even right now, I'm putting Carlo out there ahead of him. Yeah, and then uh, I, I agree. I, I think Carlo's blossoming into that shutdown guy. He, he's he's looked really good. I know it was him and Krug that top two matchup there. Well, that second pairing, but but they faced a lot of the top matchups just because I felt like they were trying to hide Z and Charlie yeah. a little bit. Um, I mean, Car- that's why I wanted Carlo when we were doing our fake trade proposals for the Rangers and Bruins like we do every trade deadline. I was like, Zuccarello for Carlo, and we were talking about that because I, like, you can just see it, and even you were like, it would be very difficult to give him up because he's so young and he's signed for cheap and he's going to really turn into, like, a stout top four guy, and you guys have it. The question for me is, is it totally impossible to bring back Krug? Like, I'm looking, you guys have... $15 $15 million in cap space right now for next year. Um, that's with Tuka Rask on a payroll. Um, let's say you bring Z back for probably like, million and a half million yeah, dollars, something like that. One and a half to two, yeah. So you guys do have the, I feel like you guys have the space to bring crew back, especially if it's going to be for like six and a half, seven million dollars a year. Um, is he worth that much to you guys? Maybe, but I don't see a scenario where it's just a foregone, he's out the window, unless Boston just doesn't think he's worth that much. They haven't even had any talks at all, him and Boston. I don't get it, man. I don't either. They're they're so, I mean, just off that alone, I'm saying that ship has sailed. I mean, if, if you haven't talked to, you know, possibly the best defenseman going on the hook in the UFA market, and, and he's on your team. It's not like he's on somebody else's team and you can't talk to him. That's kind of a red flag there, not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard. And there are going to be plenty of teams that have cap space that will line up to sign a guy like that. Um, I just, there has to be something going on where they're looking at a guy like Krug who they know very well and going, eh, we'll sign you, but we're not going to break the bank for you. That would be a red flag for me if I was another team. Yeah, I just I don't know what exactly the issue is between him and Boston or him and Sweeney, but the fact that there wasn't even a conversation brought up is, is that's just a little scary to me. 
And there's not much on the market, to be honest, at least free agency, to replace him as a top four left-hand shot defenseman. Like, it's basically... Who is it? TJ Brody, I think, is like the next best left-hand shot guy behind Krug in a market. Well, that's 30, why Tori's going to get Andy paid. Tori's going to get paid because of that. Yeah. There's so, nobody there. I mean, Joel Edmondson, you want him paying top pair minutes with Charlie McAvoy? I don't. No, not Joel Edmondson. He's a, he's a liability in my book. <laughs> yeah, so you'll be looking at a trade to replace Krug. So you're going to be giving up young assets or pick uh, draft assets to hopefully replace him. And the only reason why you'd be getting a guy that could play top four minutes is either a team can't afford him anymore, so you're not going to be saving much money than what you would have spent on retaining a guy you've known for years, or there's a red flag with the guy. So I just I don't get it. I honestly don't get why Krug isn't locked up. Well, the, another guy just in general of – being locked up is Jake DeBrusco's to restricted free agent. And to me, I, I can't, uh, he's on comparison now, just, just off comps alone. He's a 30 goal scorer in this league. 30 goal scorers in this league make upwards of $6 million a year. There is no way in my opinion, Jake DeBrusco has worked that. He is so hot and cold, and I mean, when he's cold, he's not even anywhere near place. He's not on four checks. Yeah, he doesn't do anything but score goals. That's it, and I mean, it's awful to watch. Like, this bubble thing happened, and and he was nowhere. Like, Kasha was in on pucks. He was was hard on the four check. Krejci was, and then there was just Jake DeBrusque, and I... I couldn't. I can't do it. I mean, I don't know. You got to make some sort of bridge deal here. But how much does this kid actually think he wants on a bridge deal? Like, I give him four million dollars max. Yeah, I was gonna say if he is okay with a two-year bridge deal where it's like four, four and a quarter uh, average cap hit, I think that's good enough to, for him to prove that he can take this game to the next level. And also, you guys aren't kind of handcuffed to him long term yeah and and i'm okay with that but like i i just need to see some consistency like you know when shit's not working i get it but get to the fucking net like like go to the dirty areas if you're a goal scorer go there and he's just when when he's cold he's just out to lunch it's like he's there's someone in the 74 jersey i don't know who it is but it's (laughs) just kind of going around um and you got Krejci signed for one more year. Bergey signed for two more years. Like, you guys, I know you've won a cup and you guys are always a perennial contender. You got to capitalize. As a fan of a team that failed to capitalize on the prime window of Henrik Lundqvist, you guys got to get more than one cup out of this core. Like, that would be a shame. Well, they've dropped the ball numerous times here. I mean, this year was a big one. I understand Tuka left, but. For the play that we had, I mean, we were awful. Like, we were atrocious. Like, th- there's no better way to put that. Like, even if Tuca was here, we might have got it to game six. That's it. Like, w- we weren't beating Tampa. Like, I know the, the Bruins fans, there's always an angle. They always feel that they're always being shafted. But, no, like, th- that was it. That, that was all we were going. And 
David Krejci, after that game five, uh, broke down in the interview because he knows that this core group is coming to an end. He's 34 years old, has one more de- one more year left on his deal, 7.25. Bergie has two years left, 6.87. Pasta's a little bit, a couple more years at 6.666 all the way across. Marshy's locked up long-term. You have Charlie Coyle locked up long-term. And Charlie Coyle's another one where he makes his money during the playoffs. Like, the kids size-wise and body-wise and build-wise is meant for playoff hockey. Like, that's where he, like, throughout the regular season, he's just a steady player, not going to go too crazy, probably about 50 points. Good, nothing wild. The playoffs come in, and he is just a different breed out there. Just off his size, he's out-muscling people. He's going to the dirty areas. And having that as your third-line center... When you're, you know, you go up and down a lineup like that's yeah, that's a big, big advantage. Absolutely, and for what we have around him, like, like I almost felt bad for him. Like Nick Ritchie out there, awful. Like, oh, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Nick Ritchie was was god awful. Um, we had uh, Bjork up there and. Anders Bjork, for a kid who has so much potential, and there's games where you see it, and then there's games where you're just like, you just played so good. Like, what happened? It's gone, and it takes some months for it to get it back for a game or two, and then it's gone again, and it's like, (coughs) we legitimately need consistency in this lineup. And these these hitting the dark players of... Andre Kasha, oh, I don't know if he'll work out. We'll see more of him next year, maybe. Like, Bjork, DeBrusque, these guys need to perform, or if not, we're just wasting David Krejci. We're wasting him in that second-line center role. Because if you're not going to give him sufficient funds, like a bank, like if you're not going to give him sufficient funds... The man that is David Krejci, the playoff performer that he is, and how good he really is, isn't coming back out. And yeah, it's just it's hard to watch at times. Now, uh, <coughs> you've had some time to separate yourself from the situation. Are you still on a boat of there is no way Tuka Rask can play in Boston? <laughs> well, the Tuka Rask thing. Um, come to find out afterwards that one of his daughters did indeed have a medical emergency and needed to be seen by doctors here in Boston. So for my initial tirade, I will take it back. I apologize just because from when they first released it, they didn't say it was a family emergency. It was just a statement of, I need to be with my family right now. Kind of left Bruins fans in the dark. Which Um, is the team didn't do him any favors by doing that. Correct. No, they did not in the least, where they could have just released a statement. Uh, he's attending to a family emergency, and I think it would be a lot different of a scenario. We still don't know if he's coming back to play next year. Um, if he does just out and retire, I mean, that's $7 million bucks on the books. Uh, you know, like, that's that's a good player in the NHL. That's two good players in the NHL. Yeah. So I think it's just kind of seeing as to what exactly... 
are we going to be dealt? And that's the hardest part right now because it's the waiting game. It's, is the Dan O'Shara going to retire? We know Tory Krug's not coming. Is Tuka Rask going to play hockey? Is he going to play a full season? To be determined. So I feel like that's the biggest thing with the Bruins right now. It's just kind of a waiting scenario. And if Zidane Chara does go, I'm assuming just, you know, kind of spitfiring, you'd probably have McAvoy and Carlo together. So two righty shots? Two right D. I just think that <laughs> you would have to have your best D all spread out. I think you'd have to have McAvoy on a line, Carlo on a line, and then Grizzlick on a line just to have your D to be consistent because, I mean, John Moore has been good for us when he's gotten in the lineup, but John Moore, really? Yeah. I like Lozon. looking at it where they can give Grizzlick the minutes that Krug has and not get the same production, but get similar enough production for a cheaper cap hit where they can feel comfortable letting crew go. I, I think so. Matt Grizzlick is a great defenseman, man. Um, he, he's actually restricted right now. So he's going to be restricted at the end of this year. Once is whoever wins the cup. And once as he goes there, he's restricted with arbitration. John Moore makes 2.75 to be on the bench. But the only other issue is Carlo took that light Bridgedale two of only 2.85. So can you pay Grizzlick more than Carlo? Yeah, I mean, market changes, but also Carlo's deal is up at the end of next year, right? Correct. So he'll go restrict So you got to pay him, him, too. So, I mean, it's just things like that. I mean, McAvoy's at 4.9. I mean, I think 3-3 three and three for Grizzlick is more than sufficient. I, I just don't know what they have up their sleeves. I, I know Don is a Harvard guy, and he likes to battle on the negotiations part of it. But like certain people are due a hair. And I mean, I, I think Grizzly's one of them. The, the kid's a gamer, all five foot six of them. Like, but <laughs> Do you when... kind of look at it where if I present this scenario to you as you have McAvoy, Carlo, and let's say either Clifton or, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking, Jeremy, what's his name? Lozon? Lozon, yeah. Yeah, on the right side. And then you have an empty spot on the first pair next to McAvoy, but then you have Grizzlick and Chara back on one year on the third pair. And basically all the Bruins need to do is fill in that second, uh, first pair left shot defenseman, probably via trade, um, and then figure out what they're doing with Tuca. Is that a scenario where maybe you trade Tuca for a defensive help and you go with Halak and the young kid that they called up to back up Halak in the playoffs next year and <laughs> see how far that takes you? Maybe, but I, I feel like next season was such a crucial year for Vladar and Swayman, like organizational-wise. Just like I, I feel like they needed that one year of development, the two of them. Like I'm really big on Swayman. I saw him play at Maine all those years, and then we finally signed him pro. Like, I think that's your goalie of the future. So it's just getting him to being ready. Because Vladar came in in that playoff game, and Tampa lit him up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can always, you know, we've batted this around a little bit. You can trade Tuca to, I don't know, Calgary, who has a bunch of cap space for for, uh 
one of their defensemen, and then we'll give you a hank for pennies on the dollar, and you can split time with him and Halak. That's all right. I'll have the old man's club back there. I got no problem with that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, there are a few ifs for you guys. If Char comes back, if Tuka comes back, if Krug leaves. But I feel like it's not as much – there's not going to be as much turnover as I feel like I've been reading about some uh, Bruins beat guys and some fans have been saying about, like, oh, this offseason, we're going to lose this guy. What are we going to do here? I still think you guys are going to return – pretty much the same team that you left uh, the bubble with. Yeah, but I think that we saw how bad we rely on that first line and how we don't get production in other places, and it's going to be a very trying year for them next year, like trying to find the back of the net, trying to score goals. Are they going to be as good defensively without Zidane Ochara there if he's gone? Like, There's a whole lot of ifs and a whole lot of, I don't know. Like, that's the scary part. It's, I don't know. <laughs> I know this is a stupid trade offer, but I was just like, hey, you guys need some scoring? How about, uh, I know you were just going on about McAvoy not being a franchise guy. Maybe not lock him up long term. Get out of it while you, while you can, while his value is still high, he's still young. How about McAvoy for Patrick Lana? Oh, that's tough. <laughs> I know you would have another hole on defense for Pat McAvoy there, but. Yeah, Pasta on the first line, Marchand, and then you tried out Lane and Krejci on the second line. Just a one-for-one, one. fuck. <laughs> one-for-one. <laughs> oh, don't give me that. That'll be like the Taylor <laughs> Hall, Klingberg, like, oh, that's... Oh, but, fuck. anyway, I know that's not going to happen. I just was like, what's, what can I come up with really quick to make him go, oh, shit? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, way to make me lose sleep tonight. Appreciate it. <laughs> um... But yeah, I don't know if you had anything else you want to hit on about uh, the end of the 2019-20 Bruins season or not. I got nothing as of right now. Currently done with them for the year. We'll, we'll, we'll pick back up around draft time with them. Okay. And by the way, I think it was announced at a draft or free agency. I forgot which one. I've been catching up on work today, but was moved up in a day. Yes, the draft was the moved, draft moved to... Uh, I had it in the, front of the me. The sixth, okay. I think, right? No. Uh, the draft was moved, I believe, to the fifth and sixth, or the sixth and seventh, and then free agency is still the ninth. Okay. And did NHL change the rules back again, where there's no legal tampering period before the start of free agency? So technically, teams aren't allowed to start talking to free agents until midnight of the opening of free agency. Yep. All right. Well, moving on to today in NHL history. Once again, it's a light. Uh, day not much is going on in late August early September but on this date September 8th 1971 Gordie Howe announces his retirement after 25 seasons with the Detroit Red Wings and is named a team vice president he retired at the age of 43 which is the same age as Big Z in Boston and owned the NHL career mark for games played goals assists and points uh, but came off his worst offensive season with just 23 goals as a 43 year old so uh, he's inducted into Hall of Fame in 1972 as well. Who do uh, you have for shout-outs this week? Shout-outs, uh, obviously, of course, First Lady. Um, had a wonderful time in Key West, uh, getting out of New York for the first time since not only since COVID started, but since essentially we moved back to New York. Uh, first time we left, at, besides just like a long weekend uh, within the state. So that was nice. Uh, shout-out to... 
the flight attendant on our flight home for that first class upgrade. And let's see, who do I got here? Oh, yeah, this is really random, but shout out to uh, the First Lady's parents for dropping off about five pounds worth of dragon fruit for me, so appreciate it. What What is a dragon fruit? You've never had a dragon fruit? I'll send you a photo. It, it's crazy looking on the outside, delicious. Uh, next time you come to New York, or maybe I'll bring some with me to Boston, I'll make you a nice dragon fruit uh, smoothie with some coconut milk. Oh no, no coconut milk. I'm out. I'll, I'll just take the water, please. You don't like the coconut milk? I'm, I'm not a coconut guy. Ugh, okay, I can do it with some water and some normal milk for you. I mean, dragon fruit isn't like a like a hanky panky name, is it? Like a little <laughs> dragon fruit? Or... Hey, hey, you want to go have some dragon fruit? Uh, I mean, so, some people like to say, "Oh, do you want to make breakfast or something?" I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I know they'll never hear this um, since not only are their parents, but they're. Uh, Fresh off the boat, first generation immigrant Chinese, so they're definitely not listening to iTunes for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, who do I got to shout out this week? No, who I have to shout out? I got to shout out Emma Rose because my beautiful young daughter, my, my beautiful three year old, full of sass and attitude, got us all sick this past week. And. <laughs> It was like wildfire running through the house. She gets sick on Monday. I had to take her Tuesday for a COVID test. Wednesday, I get out of work. I think my throat's a little scratchy. Yeah, whatever. It's no no big deal. I wake up Thursday morning. And it was like death hit me. My wife gets sick. Like we're all down for the count. We had to go for COVID tests because that's the new thing now. Because, you know, God forbid you have a cold. You don't know what the hell the difference is. It was a nightmare of a week. Um but she Very, did take some cute photos in those cowgirl boots. She does take cute photos. Thank God for her. But, uh, no, she was, uh, we were all feeling very good yesterday. Finally feeling back up to normal. All COVID negative, too. That, just throwing that out there. That You can ask HIPAA or whatever it is. I don't care. <laughs> but uh, we were finally feeling better yesterday. So, yeah, we went to the sunflower field. And, yeah, she does take some very cute photos. So that, that's to my baby girl. Daddy loves you. Uh, by the way, before we sign off for good, just a quick update. Uh, game two, Vegas versus Dallas. Two second period goals by the Golden Knights give them a 2 nothing lead and are on a power play right now. Saxony and William Carlson with the two goals. All right, I like it. Well, everybody, thank you as always. And uh, I'm assuming we will give you a Stanley Cup update whenever uh, this round ends. And we'll, and we'll just go from there. I mean, anywhere else we're going, Benny? To the moon? To the moon and back. That's it. Well, everybody, we will catch you guys when the next episode drops. So hopefully our predictions come true or at least one of ours comes true. So we'll go from there. Everybody, we'll catch you then. Bye. Money talks the whole world, but can hear me out. See, I'm a hustler's hope. I'm not his pipe dreams. So when they speak of success, I'm what they might mean. Attract money, my worst color is light green. My favorite hue is Jay-Z blue. Don't follow me, young, and follow my moves. I'm not a role model. A bad influence got the world drinking gold bottles. When Puff was in that tub spilling mo, I was at my video, Chris on a speedboat. In my lifetime, go do your research. St. Thomas money. 
that was me first Chrome shoes, the GS, I came feet first In the game like a baby born to reach birth I got the keys if you need work I could kingpin you with line, the dime and the time mm. My loving when I talk like this My corporate people start bugging cause I talk like this The corporate thugs is like, nah ho, talk that The dope boys go crazy when they hear that boy Jay-Z See I'm an 80s baby, master Reaganomics School of hard knocks, every day's college You ain't did nothing I ain't did Pay homage, I pay the doctor I spray llama still The time will reveal, you know I'm being honest You ain't pulled my coat yet, and I keep my big coat check They say the truth shall come to the light So everybody grab your shades cause you boy that bright